Have you ever planned an event? And it's going to be an outside event. The weather says it's going to be sunny and 80. And that morning you get up and it's 72 and rainy. Have you ever planned out in life how things are going to go? I remember as a, as a little boy, uh, I, it didn't take me long to realize that I liked girls. And I remember sending those notes down the row in our desks that kids today, I don't know if they have them, but they, the big lid that would open up and when you, you know, sometimes they would stay up and that was like the desk that you wanted to make sure you remembered what desk that was so next year when you get to that classroom, you get the desk that the lid stays up. And you'd write your note in there and then you'd send it down the line or send it behind you to the girl. And it'd have the box on there, do you like me, check yes or no. And you just, you were so nervous that that letter was going to come back with that box checked no. And you just didn't know what you would do. What, how would you function now in second grade knowing that that little girl said no to you? But girls, they were a little unpredictable and they would put their own box, maybe, what does this benefit me? How, what gifts am I going to receive? And so you send gifts now down the line till there's enough where the yes comes back. I remember going off to college and in college I had in my mind what life was going to look like and dating life and social life and how I was going to date my, my freshman year and then sophomore year was going to narrow it down and then junior year, pick out the lucky ones that would be in the final five, you know. And then my senior year was going to be, I've narrowed it down and she has been chosen and now she's going to become my wife. That didn't happen. Not even close. And I met my wife, who currently, who is currently my wife, I met her, and I knew, I mean, it didn't take me long. First date, I didn't know. Second date, I knew that this was the one that I was going to marry. And in my life, for me, there were three words that I wanted to save for that woman that I was going to marry. Those three words were, I love you. Now, I know that in high school and in elementary school, those words, I love you, were thrown around a lot. And to you, you may think, well, he's a little weird. Those were just words at that time, and now they mean something. And I understand that. But for me, those words, I love you, I wanted my wife to be the only one that heard those words from me. I would tell other girls, I like you a lot. You've got a nice personality. I mean, all those things that women love to hear. But I, thank you for that one. Uh, but I wanted to save those words, I love you for the one. Well, Rebecca and I dated, and we got to the point where I knew I loved her. And I had to tell her in a way that was perfect. 
Now, in our family, we had an unwritten rule, and that unwritten rule was that if you made it through the January ski trip, you were in the family. Now, the January ski trip was that our family, every year, we would go to Colorado, and when we, if we got serious with a guy or a girl, my sisters with boys, us with girls, my brother and I, that we would take them to Colorado, and they would spend a week with the family. And if they could make it through the week with the family, they were in. I mean, you might as well just sign the dotted line right now, you're in. And I knew that if, that Rebecca was the one, and if she would go to Colorado, that it was going to be the perfect time to tell her, I love you. So I made all the plans and taught her how to ski for the first couple of days, and then about uh, about two or three days into our trip, and if you've never been to Colorado, it's hard to explain to somebody what the Rocky Mountains look like. Just absolutely beautiful. And there's nothing like being able to, on the top of one of the mountains at 12,000 feet, to be able to say to the woman that's going to spend the rest of her life with you, I love you. So, the day before it was going to happen, I went and I bought a single stem rose. And I put it inside my ski jacket where it would stay nice and warm, protected from the weather, from the elements. And it was going to stay there. And so all day long, I knew what was going to happen. I've been planning this. And as we're skiing, we'd ski down to the bottom of the hill and I'd look in my jacket to make sure that that rose is protected. It's wrapped up. It's, it's protected. We'd ride the chairlift to the top of the ski hill and we'd get off and I'd look inside my jacket and make sure that that rose was there. It was perfect. Nothing had happened to it. It was ready. About halfway through the day and we were skiing down the hill and we stopped. We were above the tree line. So you look out and it's just a gorgeous landscape. You see the peaks of the, of the Rocky Mountains covered with snow. You see the trees covered with snow. It was cold. It was so nice. Halfway down the hill, I stopped. Popped my skis off. She stopped behind me. She was skiing, trying to follow me. And she stopped behind me and like, what, what's going on? Took my skis off and I told her, just, just wait a second. So she stopped and moved her goggles and her hat and, you know, trying to figure out what's happening. And, and I said, I just wanted to tell you something. Now, I've saved this just for you. And I want you to know, and I reached in for that rose that had been protected. I just wanted you to know that I love you. And I pulled this rose out, and all that was there was a stem here's the rose. (laughs) And she thought, this is who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? This isn't going to, it's not starting well. It can't get any better. And I thought, why didn't that turn out like I planned? 
And now, every time I buy her roses, do you know what pops into my head? That stupid story. You know, that's the way it is with things in life. We plan on how things are going to go. We plan on how things are going to happen in our life, in our children, in our home, in our future, and all of these things. But you know, sometimes our life goes off script. Sometimes things happen that aren't expected to happen, and all of a sudden we find ourselves off the script that we had written. And you know, as you look in the Bible, you find characters in the Bible that their life went completely off script, and sometimes you find yourself identifying with them, and you can see in them your life. And you learn truths from their life to apply to your life. And as I look at the scriptures, I see, I look at the apostles. Some of the apostles I can identify with. I mean, if you look at him doubting Thomas, we give him a hard time for, for doubting that Jesus was there. But what would you have done if they would have said, that guy that died three days ago, we just saw him? You wouldn't buy into that either. You'd want to see for yourself that Jesus really was there. I look at, at John, the Bible in, in the book of John, he describes himself as the one who Jesus loved. And I look at John and I think, you know what, I love Jesus, but I don't think I can identify with John. I mean, if I was in a staff meeting and I wanted to let Pastor Rands know that I really cared for him. I don't think that I would pull my chair up to next to his and put my head on his chest to let him know that I care for you. I have a hard time identifying with John. But Peter, impetuous Peter, I find myself being able to identify with and say, I see myself in that guy all over the pages of Scripture. And today we're going to look at the life of Peter. And if you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 22, we're going to look at a passage that shows us when Peter's life went off script. In verse number 31 and 32 of the book of Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as we, or that he may pick you apart. Satan wants to destroy you. But verse 32, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Verse 33, and he, Peter, said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Peter had his story all written out. Jesus said, Peter, Peter, hey, hang on. Satan's desired you. He's going to pick you apart. Things are coming and it's going to destroy you. He said, but I've prayed for you. And Peter says, Jesus, come on, man. 
I won't leave you. I don't care what happens. To the death, man, I am with you. Peter had his story all written out. But if you look at verse number 60 of the same chapter, Luke 22, all of a sudden we see that Peter's life is going to be taken way off the script that Peter had written. In verse 60, it says, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. This is the third time that Peter denied that he knew who Jesus was. Just a few hours before this, Peter had said, Don't worry, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to deny you. It's to the death. And now, Peter has denied Jesus three times, and that rooster crowed. You ever have that moment when all of a sudden that thing happens and you remember, oh, man. You ever have that boss at work that you know it's never good news when you see him? You have that situation at home, it's never good news when the principal calls. It's never good news when blank happens. And all of a sudden, in Peter's life, the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered what Jesus had said. But in the next verse, in verse number 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. That rooster crowed and Jesus from across the room turned and locked eyes with Peter. And I don't believe that this look from Jesus was a, a look of condemnation. I don't think that this look from Jesus was a look of I told you so. I think that this look from Jesus was a look that said, Peter, it's okay. That's why I'm doing this. As a young man, you learn looks from your parents pretty quickly. And as a parent, you learn what looks to give your children so that your children know the look that says, I'm going to kill you when we get home. <laughs> Mothers don't even have to say anything. Just that look, that cold, icy look from across the room will put the fear of God into me today still from my mother. We all know what those looks are. But I don't believe that Jesus looked at Peter in a way that said, see, I told you. I told you you were going to fail. Just a little while ago, I told you that you're going to fail. And see, you did exactly what I told you you would do. Peter, you're such a waste. I don't even know why I invested my time in you. I don't know why I invested my life into you because every time I said that something would happen, you said, oh no, I'd never do that, and it happened, and you haven't learned. I don't think that's what the look was. I think that look was the look from across the room that you've given your children, that you've given your spouse, that you've received from your parents, the look that says, it's a mess now, but everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And Jesus looked at Peter, 
And Peter in that moment, in verse 61 it says, and Peter remembered what Jesus had said. But it's amazing how the deceiver comes. And as you read what Peter remembered Jesus said, Peter only remembered a portion of what Jesus said. You know, Satan likes to do that to us. He did that in the Garden of Eden. He came to Adam and Eve and he said, Yea, did God really say? And Satan came to Peter at this time and said, He said that before the rooster crowed, you deny him. It says that Peter went away and wept bitterly. You know, sometimes in life there are things that happen circumstances that happen, things that fall through, plans that change, difficulties that come that all of a sudden put us at the place where we weep bitterly. Our life is over. Everything that we planned is done. How can I even go on? And Peter, from this point, we don't hear anything from him. He's not recorded in Scripture, except later on we'll get to that where he is. But he runs off the pages of Scripture here, weeping bitterly that he had failed his Savior. And the thing that I find interesting is that the next morning when Peter got up, he heard that rooster crow and it reminded him of his failure and the next morning when Peter got up that rooster crowed to remind him of his failure and the next morning when Peter got up that rooster crowed and reminded him of, a, of his failure and how many times in life do we have roosters that crow in our life that remind us of the failure that we have been That problem, that difficulty that we go through, and every day as we drive to work, we drive past that place where we had our first job and they fired us, and we drive past that place and we think, man, I'm such a failure. We drive past the basketball court and we remind, remember the words that somebody said to us, you're no good at basketball. And we remember that we're such a failure. And that rooster crowed day after day after day in Peter's life. And I can imagine that there were some days that Peter got up before the roosters were going to crow and he tried to get to a place where he wouldn't hear them and he could block them out and he would cover his head and he would plead to God, please God, just make the rooster stop because I'm tired of being reminded that I'm a failure. So often, it is easier to receive the forgiveness of God than it is to receive the forgiveness from ourselves. And we just keep beating ourselves up and beating ourselves up because of the failure that we've done. But I want to tell you this morning that this is not where Peter left his life. Peter didn't end here. 
Peter went on to do great things and we're gonna look and we're gonna see how that happened. How did Peter go from the abject failure, running off the pages of scripture in, in torment because of what he'd done to becoming a useful apostle for God again? If you turn to John chapter number 21, John chapter 21, Peter now walks back on the pages of scripture. He once again appears, but this time when he appears, he is not walking on the pages of scripture as an apostle. He's walking on the pages of scripture as somebody who has walked away from what God had called him to do. In verse number two, verse number three, sorry, we see that Simon said unto them, I go a fishing. Peter was done. That rooster crowing in his life, he said, I'm done. I can't do what you've called me to do. I can't follow you any longer. I'm only doing what I know that I can do. And Peter went back to fishing. Did you ever get to that point in your life where you know what God has called you to do, but you can't let go of what you used to do, and so you just run back to that every time there's a failure in your life, every time there's a problem in your life, you just run back to what you know? And Peter ran back to fishing. And he said, if I can't do what God called me to do, at least I can do this. Peter rode that boat out, and all night long, he toiled, and he caught nothing. And you know that's what happens when God has called you to something and you run back to what you used to do, that you find no joy. You find no satisfaction. You find no fulfillment. And I can just imagine Peter out there all night throwing those nets out there and reeling those nets back in and trying to catch fish and throwing them out there and coming to the point where he said, I can't even do this right. And sometimes we find ourselves at the point where we look at us and we've come to the end of ourselves and we said, I can't do anything. But you know, that's when God shows up. Because if you look at verse number four, it says, but when the morning was now come. And I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you today that it doesn't matter what the difficulty or what the problem or what the challenge is that you're facing today. I don't care what the darkness seems like. I don't care how bad it is. There's always coming a morning. There's always a time where you find yourself in the deepest, darkest despair and Peter found himself out in the night throwing that net, trying to catch fish, trying to do something right and he found himself unable to do anything and Jesus showed up. And my, what a change it is when Jesus shows up. There is nothing in scripture that happens. There's no person that goes untouched that when Jesus shows up, their life isn't radically changed. And Jesus showed up and Jesus was there to not tell Peter he was a failure, but to recommission Peter to service for him. And Jesus called. And Jesus said, have you caught any fish? And they yelled back, no, we haven't caught a thing. We've worked all night long and haven't caught anything. Don't you think that 
at some point along here that one of the disciples would have said, doesn't this sound familiar? Don't you remember back in Luke chapter five where Jesus yelled out to them and said, have you caught anything? No, try the other side of the boat. It ain't gonna work, but we'll do it. Wow, look at all the fish. And now in John chapter 21, have you caught any fish? No, try the other side of the boat. Who is that guy? I don't know, let's try the other side of the boat. Don't you think somebody would have said, I think that's Jesus. And John, the one who loved Jesus, recognized that it was Jesus. And he said to Peter, I think it's the Lord. And Peter, who had run from failure, weeping, impetuous Peter, Bible says that he had, he was naked, wrapped his jacket around him, dove into the water and began swimming to get to Jesus. He got to shore and Jesus was there and he had a fire going and he had fish prepared and bread. It says that the disciples got there and nobody said, are you Jesus? They just all ate the food, quietly looking at each other. Yeah, this is him. Do you remember? Do you remember the days? And at the end of the meal, Jesus said to Peter, in verse number 15, Peter, do you love me? Peter, after your failure, after I told you, I told you that you would deny me, and you said you wouldn't, and you denied me and you ran. Peter, do you still love me? Yes. You know I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. Verse 16, Peter, yes, Lord, do you love me? Yes. Yes, I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. Verse 17, Peter, do you love me? Peter, frustrated, said, God, yes. You know that I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. You see, just because Peter could no longer see that he could do what God called him to do, Jesus never forgot that he called Peter to do something great for him. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? I believe that it's because Peter had to have the crow reconditioned in his life, the rooster's crow reconditioned in his life. I think Jesus knew that every day that Peter lived that he would associate that rooster's crow with the defeat that he had. And so when did Jesus show up here? John chapter 21, in the morning. When do roosters crow? In the morning. 
Jesus showed up and said, Peter, no longer does that rooster's crow have to remind you of your failure. No longer does that rooster's crow have to remind you of the time you denied me. No longer does that rooster's crow have to remind you of the times that you failed, but that rooster's crow can now remind you of the time that I recommissioned you to serve me. So the next morning when that rooster crowed, Peter didn't get up and think, man, I'm such a failure. He got up and thought, glory to God, he has commissioned me again. I can go out and I can serve him and it's gonna be a great day. And the next morning that rooster crowed, Peter didn't think about the denying of Christ. Peter thought, you know what? Jesus came and set me free from the failures that I have. Jesus set me free to complete and to go after the future that he has called me to. And so many times we look at our failure instead of our future. And God has not called us to look at our, fu- our failure. God has called us to a great and glorious future. This morning, what rooster is crowing in your life? If I care for you, if I love you, one of the ways that I show that is by picking on you. In our house, in our family, the Cox family, you have to have thick skin in order to live in our house because if we see a fault, we tend to pick on it. When Juliana was little, we were in the car We're driving down the road. And I know that you all are going to think you are the worst father ever. But I want you to take this story to prove a point. We're driving down the road and we have the radio on and Juliana's just singing away. She must have been in kindergarten or first grade. She's just singing at the top of her lungs. Just singing. And oftentimes... When life goes off script, our brains go off script first and we say things and we quickly try to grab those words back before they actually hit ears, but we can't. And Juliana's just singing and she's, I mean, she's got a beautiful voice as a little kindergartner, first grader. And, and um, I said, hey, Juliana, you know why we have the radio on? No. So we don't have to hear you singing. I know, right? Worst parent ever. I get the trophy. And you know what she did? Immediately stopped singing. And you know what my heart did? My heart just said, I just crushed that little girl's spirit. And now every time that thought of, I like kidding people and saying to them, Do you know why the radio's on? Do you know why we have the music up so loud? Do you know why? It's so we can't hear you singing. I never say that. Because it takes me to a time that I don't want to go back to. And in life, we have plans. And we have desires. And we have goals. And we have things that we want to do. And we, we have hopes and dreams. And oftentimes, our life goes off script. Plans change. Things happen. We say things out of a rash spirit. And we want to pull those back, but we can never do that. 
Peter can never go back to where he didn't deny Christ. But Jesus can always step in and recondition our hearts. This morning, what's the rooster's crow in your life? I can't buy a rose without thinking of the story where I gave Rebecca the stem without the rose. But I know that there's people here this morning that maybe your rooster's crow is a baby's cry. Maybe this morning the rooster's crow in your life is a building you have to drive by every day. Maybe this morning the rooster's crow in your life is a voice that you wish you could hear. Maybe the rooster's crow in your life is a job that lets you go. Maybe the rooster's crow in your life is something that you are holding on to and thinking, I am such a failure. And I want to tell you today that God wants to set you free from that. God wants to change the rooster's crow into a recommissioning experience for you so that when you drive by there, that's not a job that fired you. That's a job that launched you into the future that you have. That's not a hurt that came to me that now causes me pain. That's now a hurt that has come into my life that I now use as a bridge to reach somebody else that is going through the same situation. And I can bring hope and I can bring healing and I can bring help to those lives. No longer is that problem or that situation or is that difficulty gonna hold me back. Now it's going to launch me into the future that God has called me to. Peter, from this point on, never goes back to fishing. You never see Peter go back to a boat. You never see Peter pick up another net because no longer was he holding on to the past that he wouldn't let go of. Now God has set him free to pursue the future that he has for him. And this morning, God wants to set us free for the future he has for you and not keep you in the shadow of the doubt and in the shadow of the failure and in the shadow of the fault that we've gone through. God wants to set us free. This morning, will you allow him to do that? This morning, will you allow him to take that fault, take that problem, take that difficulty and set you free from it and release you as he did Peter to go preach and see 3,000 people saved. To use as he used Peter to push the gospel throughout the known world. To reach people that Peter never thought he would reach, but it only happened because Peter let go of that rooster's crow in his life. This morning, what is it in your heart and in your life What is it that's holding you back? Will you let it go this morning? Will you allow God to take that and recommission that for his purpose? I pray that you'll follow Peter's example and hear Jesus calling and saying to you, I've called you to a greater purpose.